The following is brought to you with no commercial interruptions. Listen now. Do you think you get more? I know Canada is pretty mm-hmm. racially diverse and stuff like that. Do you kind of see a different mix at Pearl Jam shows in Canada compared to United States or uh, elsewhere in the world? Yeah, I mean, I guess you definitely do see more variety of people that, that go to the shows. In the, I mean, U.S., you kind of have the diehards, and then you have general fans, which from back in the day were more like frat boys and, and, and college kids that, that really liked any kind of music back then. In, in Europe, like everyone was passionate about the music, and they, they still are. Mm-hmm. So you, you don't get fans that are just new fans that are... You get a lot of fans that, that were there from the beginning that were really passionate from, at that point. And I guess in general, it's, it's more culturally diverse outside the U.S. Yeah, because I know that... Um... I'm Latinx, and so whenever I go to Pearl Jam shows, it's kind of like, oh, hey, there's one black guy over there. It's like, <laughs> oh, hey, it's, you know, instead of the sea of, you know, just white guys everywhere and stuff. Well, it's still all white people in Europe, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're different cultures. But they're all speaking different languages, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I think that's probably the difference. <laughs> yeah. But in, in, in Canada, is it sort of the same, too? Just a bunch of white people, or? Yeah. I mean, always, I'm mm-hmm. Asian, and I, I see quite a few Asians in in the Vancouver shows, at least, and obviously mm-hmm. in Toronto, you see a lot of them. Um, in the U.S., I mean, you see quite a few. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's not all bad in the U.S. It's it's some some areas. I mean, obviously, <laughs> like the coast, the West Coast, and, and the East Coast, you'll get you'll probably get more diverse people there. Welcome to season six, episode three of the Better Band Podcast, an all-encompassing trip through every song in the Pearl Jam catalog. I am your host, Brandon Palomo. Each episode, a different guest and I go track by track through every album, soundtrack, single, and B-side to discover why you simply can't find a better band. Welcome back to the Better Band Podcast. This is Brandon today talking about the binaural track evacuation. My guest today, author of this all-encompassing trip, Jason Leung. Hello, Jason. Hi, Brandon. Thanks for having me on. Oh, no problem. I like having, you know what? I like having authors on because secretly I wanted to be an author in my past life and I just got too lazy to write, even though I love doing it. But, you know, it's 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 like having a... Having somebody out there who's living the dream, and I get to to poke around in your brain a little bit. <laughs> well, definitely happy to share my story and and let people live um, their dream through me. All right, Hank. Well, yeah, you got a lot of dream there. Been on a lot of shows and stuff. But first, <laughs> let's talk about this song written uh, music written by Matt and Ed wrote the lyrics to it. Um, but you know what? Before I start that, give you a little tease there. We have to ask Jason, since this is the first time he has been on. Jason, when did you first hear of Pearl Jam? Um, well, I guess I was first introduced to them through friends um, in the early 90s when they first came out. We would make mixed tapes from the radio, and I heard a live uh, on one of those tapes. And then I saw the Jeremy video on I'm from Canada, so we had much music, uh, not MTV. And really, I mean, I'm from Vancouver, uh, Pacific Northwest, so I kind of gravitated towards those bands from Seattle, and I was just getting into music at that time. So really, pretty much all the bands from that area um, was really appealing to me. And from Vancouver, we, we considered Seattle things to be like one of our own. We, we cheer for the Mariners, we cheer for the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was cool to see music coming from our area. Uh, so Pearl Jam was one of those bands that like I liked just along with everything else. And then the, probably Phytology when it came out was when I 
like really stood out for like Pearl Jam really stood out for me. Um, I guess sadly they were one of the few bands that were still going at that time. But I was going through my teenage years and my own little rebellion phase, and like lyrically and musically, really uh, spoke to me at that point. Were there many uh, Canadian sort of uh, versions of the of the Seattle sound of grunge or anything like that around that started popping up around that time? Uh, there was not so much. Um, the grunge alternative sound and there was more kind of folky and pop rock type music and it was like brian adams mm-hmm. like that kind of music was coming out from vancouver i guess we didn't have the the same kind of recording facilities that the u.s has but like it did sound like a pacific northwest sound so that really was was uh it really resonated with me yeah and i know that um canada has the has the content sort of uh balance or whatever structure there so it's like you have to pay you can only play so much american music and the rest has to be uh canadian right yeah that's the thing there's a quota they have to play on the radios and the and their music video stations at the time but i mean because of that you can you can learn your local music and you you learn up cheer, uh, cheering for your local music and and we considered seattle to be a our home music oh okay i see <laughs> i don't know i don't know I don't know if uh, like nationally Canada and US are really that that different is more kind of like regional more like mm-hmm. so okay. like the, the north northeast Canada would be very similar to the northeast US and same with the Pacific Northwest. So so like Toronto and Vancouver are sort of like it's like ah are, those, those are, are kind of <laughs> yeah those guys and we're over here in the in the gloomy weather and it, everything it, exactly so we go through the same things as as what they do in Seattle so. It, it, it's it seemed like something that was very uh, representing of our area. Well, uh, let's let's get back into the song then. Like I said, Matt wrote the music. Ed wrote the lyrics. They first played this song in Bellingham, which I'm I'm sure you've heard of since that's uh, kind of outside of Washington, closer to the uh, closer to the border. <laughs> on uh, May 10th, back in 2000, it's released on the uh, Vault Number Four for everybody who wants to hear what they sounded like the first time they played it. Um, Ed has famously said, uh, it's got three bridges for God's sakes. It's like Pittsburgh just from, uh, how, how Matt gets funky with it. And of course, if you want to know those three bridges, they are called the three sisters, uh, named after Pittsburgh, uh, residents there. Roberto Clemente is the sixth street bridge. Andy Warhol is the seventh street and, uh, Rachel Carson is the ninth street bridge. Man, I just needed to throw some facts in there because I don't know how much I have to say about this song. <laughs> uh, also, for the hardcore uh, music heads out there, the uh, the thing that gives this song its weird feel is it's pretty much in 4-4, but they stick in a measure of 6-4 there at the... Uh, end of the verse phrases and that's uh that's what you got it so if you're counting off when you're seeing this in concert or something you go one two three four one two three four one two three four five six and that's how you're gonna keep beat and everybody's gonna look around at you like oh wow you're a master you really know this song it's like yeah yeah i do that's probably why it's written by matt cameron now yes <laughs> yeah it gives it it's uh, it's the first uh, matt cameron song matt, matt cameron pearl jam song that we hear from them and it uh has that off time sort of sound garden feel and i think that's maybe why 
people don't like it too much. I've heard people saying it's like, oh, he just says evacuation all the time, which I guess uh, maybe is why some people don't like it. it does. And <laughs> I guess why people also don't like the the song Olay because he says Olay all the time. And I don't know, not every song has to be real deep. I guess it can just rock. <laughs> I've been listening to it quite lately, and, and it does rock quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. How do you think it compares with the other um, with the other Matt Cameron songs that we uh, that we get down the line from the band? Um, I mean, obviously, it's the first one he's written. I mean, he just recently joined the band at that point. I mean, I was excited to hear it because I was into the the other band that he was in, Well Water Conspiracy, at that mm-hmm. time, and seeing them, I saw them uh, open in two thousand in Seattle. I think it was. Oh, cool. Um, it was great to see him like set up his drum kit in the front and singing and, and drumming at the same time. So it was good to see him write a song for Pearl Jam. Obviously, it's a little bit different and people aren't used to it as much, but uh, it grows on you, this song for sure. Yeah, and I think especially to that last bridge in the song, um, just where it kind of gets dreamy and airy, I think really fits in with the Pearl Jam mm-hmm. sound, I think at that point, even though it's, it's kind of the odd time signature is kind of a little doesn't really fit in with Belgium at that time, even though Jeff has written a bunch of uh, other odd odd time signature songs, Um, at least from what I remember, because I just covered the Yield songs, uh, Push Me, Pull Me, and Low Light are an odd time signatures. It'll have different measures and stuff of uh, time and stuff. This one kind of was a little bit more out there. I think it fits in with Binaural as a whole, though. Mm-hmm. It's, it's quite experimental album. Kind of when they were trying to experiment a little bit, and kind of when they wanted to do whatever the hell they wanted at that point. It has a different different yeah, recording yeah. sound, and it works for them at that point. I think. Do you get anything from the from the lyrics in here? Do you think that there's a point that Ed is trying to make, or it's just kind of uh, trying to be creative and uh, kind of just weird? <laughs> with, with the lyrics. It's more of the latter, yeah. I think. <laughs> I mean, I I didn't really get too much out of it, or more 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 the music and, and like you you were talking about the timing earlier. I think that's more the point of the the, the way he written the song. Yeah, I think I think it was probably like around this time Ed started getting more poetic with his lyrics and not too much like oh this is a story about me and my life and stuff. It's kind of right. you know given a fly kind of tells a story and stuff, but it's not like. Like, oh, this is what I feel. This is like another black or rearview mirror or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it does take a little time to kind of wrap your head around this. Yeah. You know what? There's not too much to say about this song. I mainly just wanted to have you on because, like I said at the top, you're the author of uh, the book, This All-Encompassing Trip, and it has been out for 10 years, correct? It has. Uh, one more thing about evacuation. It is funny oh, that... Okay. Yeah, sure. I'm sorry. I'm trying to move on and shuffle <laughs> it under the uh, back under the fridge or under the uh, the carpet or something like that. I, I didn't realize you would have more to say. I'm sorry. Well, the only thing I had to say it is one of the songs that I have not seen live. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, it has not been played much. Yeah, what, less than... Like 30 times or something like that? Yeah, it's not. Yeah, if you've caught this, then this is one of the uh, the more rare tracks <laughs> from Binaural that they've uh, busted out. Right. I was going through my album checklist the other day, and, and that and Rival 
and Fatal are, are the only three songs I have not seen live that they've played. <laughs> so it's good to talk about Evacuation. Yeah, even though they started they started playing Fatal in uh, in what two thousand five along that uh, Canada tour, right? Which uh, which you just happened to go on. Oh, look at that! That sweet. <laughs> Uh, transition there that oh man i just bring it right back on along that i just got to point that out because i know you're probably not i'm proud of myself for it <laughs> <laughs> i don't think they actually played it in 2005 <laughs> wait what was that fatal yeah i don't think they played it in 2005 or six they didn't oh no. crap oh man i thought you said they started playing the lost dog songs then fatal except for fatal <laughs> except they, for fatal. oh they man played, um, i think okay. marseille or something like that in 2006 and that was oh it. damn it <laughs> no, okay, never mind. Uh, dash all my hopes, and I gotta, I gotta edit the hell out of that now. So, <laughs> um, so yes, you, you, you started off, and uh, uh, well, you started off. So let's start there. You, you, where did you get the idea to? Did you just want to follow them, and it kind of snowballed into this big, huge sort of project you had, or was it uh, something that you had meticulously planned and? had a huge map with uh, your push pins and stuff in it. <laughs> yeah, well, um, being from the Pacific Northwest, we were lucky to see them multiple times in between Vancouver and Seattle, so there was really no desire to, to travel outside that area. Um, but it was always my dream to drive across Canada. And it so happened in 2005 that Pearl Jam announces a coast-to-coast -to -coast tour, which no other band has really done at that time, where... They went straight from West Coast to East Coast. I think there was 17 shows that tour. Mm -hmm. um, so once they announced that, I knew I had to follow the band for that that tour at least. <laughs> it wasn't a plan to do anything more than that. We just wanted to drive across Canada and see all the Pearl Jam shows. Uh, so I got together with a couple of people from the Message Pit. We decided to buy a van. We called it the Touring Van. Um, we were getting people to hitch rides from us throughout the shows to kind of like share the costs and expenses because it wasn't cheap. Um, we did the tour. I mean, it was probably like the best thing that I've done at that point and really opened up new doors for me because before that I was working as an engineer for like a pretty steady job and living kind of a regular life. And this kind of opened up my, my vision on how to live my own life. Mm -hmm. So we did the Canadian tour, took it all the way across Canada and flew back to Vancouver. By the time they announced the U.S. tour, my mind was already thinking of, oh, we got to go back and pick up the van and, and continue the what we started. So 2006, they did the U.S. tour. I flew back, picked up the van, and did two legs of the U.S. Uh, from the East Coast and then up the West Coast. Mm -hmm. So like you said, then it just kind of snowballed. And I at that point, I had quit my job, so I was kind of free to do whatever I wanted. Uh, I flew to Europe after that, did some shows there, and then flew to Australia, did the tour there uh and that kind of ended the year and from then on i was like it opened up my 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 thought of of how to live my life and i wanted to travel more and see more of the world and end up living in australia for a little bit and europe a little bit and i'm currently in europe living full-time and obviously through through that experience i was able to meet a lot of a lot of people a lot of friends and and a lot of them have become some of my closest friends <laughs> to date and that's really what the the experience has been really important to me because of that. So at what point after you, and you had been sort of keeping a, uh, keeping notes and sort of, of writing the stuff that you were going through during that, uh, during your trip, right? Yeah. So I kept a journal throughout the tour, um, keeping notes, writing about the shows. And I mean, at first it obviously became about the shows. We wanted to talk about what, what was exciting to see and what, what was the highlights. But then 
throughout, I guess, halfway through the Canadian tour, we kind of switched over to like it was about the people. Mm-hmm. So more of the notes and stories that I was trying to keep in my memory was about people that were meeting and and people that were helping us throughout the tour. We were given food. We had places offered to stay. Um, people paid for our gas one or two times. So it was never really a, an idea to put out a book. But at some point, I had basically three journals worth of, of material that I wanted to put out. I was also filming our trip at the time. So I was putting stuff on YouTube for people to see. And I mean, the goal was always to just share my experience um, of, of this. And I knew people wanted to do something like this. It's kind of like a dream for most people. And, and I was able to do it. So I wanted to share what the experience was like to do it. And it was, it took about five, five years afterwards of, of mm-hmm. like organizing and writing and, and editing it down to before I can actually put it into like a format of a book. So that it was a lot of work after that. <laughs> uh, but obviously it was worth it in the end and you get like a, a really cool memento for myself and for others to be able to read about an experience. And, and I, I like to feel that I've inspired others to, to do a lot of travel since then. And obviously I think the last 10 years I've seen a lot of uh, new faces and, and people doing a lot of shows and traveling to shows. Um, so really like keeping that spirit alive, I think. Do you notice um, many differences between the way that um, audiences in different countries react to the band? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I guess in, in Europe and even South America, I went to South America a little bit later to see them. You, you can see that the fans were really passionate about, about the band and they were passionate from the beginning. So you, it's been a long built up passion that they that they've been waiting, especially in South America when they had to wait a long time to see them for the first time. Yeah, they seem to have a different feeling towards when they see concerts, <laughs> not just Pearl Jam in general, but like when they see stuff that they really enjoy, uh, they express themselves a little bit different. Yes. Do you think do they have like a different reaction between the newer stuff and the older stuff, or is it all like, oh my gosh, no, we I, finally get to see them, so seems... we'll take anything we get? <laughs> Yeah, that might be the difference. I think in the U.S., you, you get a lot of people that want to see, like the general fans at least, that want to see the older music and things that made them popular near the early 90s. But in at least Europe, a lot of people were excited just to see them and to see all the music. Mm-hmm. And they, they like pretty much the entire catalog. Even if they don't know the music, they're they're cheering them on. They're, they're, they're trying to sing all the lyrics if they don't know the words. And sometimes it gets a little bit violent in, in the crowd, but, I mean, that's part of the fun. Is there a difference between, like, the... Uh... The moshing and the the action and stuff like that in the in different countries or anything. Um, I guess yeah, it's I guess it, the general mission is, is, or is yeah, it more, in Europe they have the or is it more age like the younger people are more willing to do that and the older people are like uh, you know what I'm just gonna hold back and just kind of you know I'm, I'm I don't want to <laughs> throw out my back or anything. There's that for sure, but uh, outside of the U.S., especially I guess South America, everybody's going hard at it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. they're no matter what age you are, they're going hard. And, and the big difference was the general mission where in the U S up until recently, it was all seated. So, um, that was the first time in Europe that I, I saw them general mission, but I guess San Francisco in 06 was, was general mission. So that was a little bit different, but yeah, you definitely get more energy when you, when the crowd is tighter in together and you feel more as a unit <laughs> as opposed to sitting in your seats. And I mean, if you have a seat, someone, you're probably going to sit in it. So a lot of crowds in the U S at least in the stands are sitting a lot. Not not that they're not enjoying the show, but they're just not putting the same amount of energy as if you're standing. Do you think that a sort of socially distant outdoor Pearl Jam show would feel anywhere <laughs> near the same as 
it would, would even be kind of worth it at this point in time or i think some people would take anything at this point <laughs> uh-huh but um i mean maybe they should be doing more online shows i don't know but people can't get enough of pearl jam content so if if, if they're playing a, a socially distant show yeah. i mean pearl jam fans are, are still gonna try to go what was it you, ha- you have like stats on your on your website kind of like the uh the introduction to your book is um between 2005 and 2006, you saw 62 shows in 13 countries. And so, like, at a at a certain point, like you said, you kind of were like, oh, yeah, hey, let's talk to the people and everything like that. Do you, do you think that you, that there was a turning point where it sort of clicked where, you know, this is about the community and the whole thing as opposed to just seeing Pearl Jam and trying to, you know, see as many different songs and, and all that sort of stuff. It was like, no, I want to be there with the people. I want to be in there standing around them, listening to stories, kind of chatting and just and and feeling like a part of of planet Pearl Jam, I guess. Um, I guess kind of the the Canadian tour when we got past kind of the center of the country into the East Coast, when we got to Kitchener, Hamilton, London, Ontario, when mm-hmm. the first part of the trip was more kind of like survival. <laughs> it, there, were long, <laughs> yeah. there were long drives, some 10, 12 hours in between, and some of them were like back-to-back nights. You're still figuring out, uh, it's like, okay, how are we going to eat? Uh, exactly. The sleeping arrangements, yeah, yeah. We, we didn't book many hotels back then. We were just going, sleeping in the van, and, and taking off right afterwards. I mean, at that point, we were having fun with, with the people in the van, so we, we were probably five or six people in the van at the point. So we had our own little group already. We were um, enjoying and sharing the experience at that point. Um, but it wasn't until, I guess, Ontario, when you can see huge crowds of people tailgating, mm-hmm. meeting up before the show. I guess, yeah, 05 was kind of the first time they had those wish list uh, pre-parties, but it was kind of disorganized at the beginning. And it was Ontario when, when they kind of got more... Uh, I guess organized and more people were showing up and, and you can see what it was all about. Obviously we were talking to fans throughout the tour, but it was at that point that you can see that this is a, a giant community and and you, it's not just something that existed online and it was something that people were going to and, and sharing and you're meeting like-minded people that were very like, similar to you kind of. And then from there, I mean, everything in the U.S., <laughs> Northeast, when we went down there, it was all tailgate mm-hmm. everywhere and people were, were having a good time and the, the one thing we, we we meet a lot of Pearl Jam fans, you don't really meet people that are assholes or or, or anything. You meet people that want to help you, and maybe that's through the lyrics that people relate to, and you get that kind of people that that like the band. So you see that connection, and that's how I see the community really growing because of that. Yeah, it's kind of I think that's a lot of what surprises a, a lot of fans when they hear about the um, I think it was uh, I can't remember if it was New Jersey or whatever, like Nassau. I think that's New York or something. Like when they played Bush Leaguer and everybody started booing and everything. And it's kind of like, wow, it's like these people don't know who Pearl Jam is. They don't, they've never listened to their lyrics or they've never, <laughs> you know, even heard of this like song. What's what do you what do you expect? What do you think? That like, was probably it's more not... general Pearl Jam fans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think more more the uh, the hardcores and diehards. The people are... just want to go to see a show or whatever. And exactly. The, the Jeremy Band. Yeah. <laughs> But like the the diehards and the hardcores are are fairly similar, I think. Even like from country to country, you can see they have similar values. Mm-hmm. And they they just want a better world, which is what Pearl Jam wants. Yeah. So pe- people started to hear about you then as you were going through, right? 
you and your yeah. your group you were like the the van guys or something <laughs> the van guys yeah we were back then it was the the message pit on on the pearl jam website the forum mm-hmm. so i think we maybe updated it a couple times on uh, posting our updates on there throughout the canadian tour but after the tour we we put out a, a dvd we put some videos on there we put some videos on youtube we really wanted to, to show people what it was like to do it and um, from there it kind of snowballed in the u.s once we arrived into the venue people were coming up to us and saying oh you're the van guys so oh, cool we were offered i mean we were given tickets on the spot basically we needed spares oh wow and people were trying to find spares for us i mean i guess that's part of the community when, when you see people that that need tickets you're, you're gonna incline to, to try to help them find tickets at least back then it was a lot easier to get them so maybe not not as easy now yeah but definitely yeah we were that was kind of when i was getting the filmmaking as well through through uh, the trips i had a camera on my hand all the time of filming and interviewing fans and talking to them about uh, their Pearl Jam story or why why they like the band so much, and putting that together in the, into some kind of video before like YouTubers existed, like I was putting out videos on YouTube about this stuff. So did um you, you didn't have tickets then for for every show and stuff? You kind of were just like, okay, we're gonna go, and if if we do it, cool, and we're just kind of try to fly by the seat of our pants and kind of just enjoy life while we're still young. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no. I, well, for me personally, I had most of the tickets. Oh, okay. Um, but there were some shows that we decided to like add on afterwards, mm-hmm. or there were, there were people that wanted to stay on afterwards. They they had tickets for say two shows. I think um, we had friends that came in for for the Boston shows, and then they went, oh, we've got to go to Philly as well. So they they just kind of hitched the ride of us afterwards. And back then, you can show up at, the, at a show and and say, I need two tickets, and then someone will come up and say, I've got two spares. You want you want to buy those? And it, it was pretty easy back then. I guess maybe after five or six years after is when, when it really it got really difficult to get tickets. Mm-hmm. The Canadian tour, I mean, I was able to buy all the tickets for the entire tour on one click of a button. Oh, wow. <laughs> when it came on sale, you can just add all the cart and 17 shows was in my <laughs> in the cart. And I clicked buy and that was it. So that was very easy. Was there as much demand, you think, <laughs> for the definitely Canadian not. shows? Or, okay. <laughs> well, definitely not the Canadian shows. And I, I think that was the first time they allowed you to buy more than two ten club tickets. Oh, okay. I think before that it was like money order, and you got to mail yeah. mail in your your priority, and then they, they let you know what you're gonna get. Call an eight hundred number or whatever. Exactly. So t- I mean, that, <laughs> I guess that really helped uh, me at least in, in 2005 and six to be able to get to all these shows because it wasn't hard to get tickets, and it was relatively inexpensive at that point. I think they were like forty or fifty dollars a ticket. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, those days. Oh, man. <laughs> so, like, in, in actuality, the, the ticket expenses were not the, the expensive part of the trips. <laughs> it was, was always it the gas, ho- or food gas or... hotels, and, and food, yeah. Was it same, the, the same sort of uh, group of friends that you had that were all through Canada and the U.S., or did some kind of drop out and come back on? Or Yeah, so it, it was kind of a rotating crew. So, uh, in Canada, at least, there was four of us that were... Uh, during the whole tour and then we rotate in two or three people every show um when i got to the u.s it was me that was doing the whole tour and some of the same people were coming back from canada to do the van trip with us <laughs> because they had such a great time the first time mm-hmm. they couldn't get enough um by the time we hit california there was i think six strong of us going throughout the entire coast was it people that you knew in life or people that kind of came up on like the message board and stuff like that? No, it, w- it was all through the message okay. board. 
this i mean this is before uh social media and all that yeah. and i think maybe myspace was starting out yeah i think that was that was the main source of uh, communication in 2006 um but before that it was the the message board and that's how we plan everything and, and connected with people um and then we just exchanged phone numbers and and arranged it from there but yeah it was basically the same i would say maybe within 20 people that were going in and out of the, the van for, for a lot of the shows but uh, I mean, you spend a lot of time with people in the van, and, and you get to know them well, and, and a lot of them have become like really long, lifelong friends of mine now. Do you think this is like one of the sort of like foundational, formative, then exper- experiences of your life? Obviously, or uh, obviously, yeah, definitely. I mean, I was able to write a book out about it, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's it's propelled me to to do more of my life. And, and since then, I've I've visited maybe thirty other countries and met like hundreds more people uh some with pearl jam and, and a lot without it but obviously this was this was a great way of motivating me of getting out there and, and doing things for whenever pearl jam sort of uh comes back and starts touring again and 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 people get to get to be together again i know i know me myself i am a real sort of introverted shy person and stuff and you know, when I, I wanted to start this podcast, it's like, ah, oh, you know what? I, I, I know a lot about Pearl Jam. I'm passionate about Pearl Jam. If I talk to other people who like Pearl Jam too, I at least have that in. And so it's kind of like a little cheat about how to talk to new people and just get practice at it. Because, I mean, if if if, if you don't talk to people for a living, like in sales or, you know, if you're, I don't know, social media influencer or something like that i i don't know but like if, if that's a a muscle that you have to exercise in order to be good at it you're somebody who has traveled around traveled with people gone on all these pearl gem shows seen a bunch of people and stuff like that is there something you kind of picked up or something that you 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 developed or learned for if somebody else is like, oh, you know, I'm going to go to Pearl Jam show and, you know, I'm kind of shy and kind of embarrassed because Pearl Jam isn't the cool band or whatever. And so it's like, I just want to go and, and, and see the show. What what would you like say to somebody who's like, oh, you know, I maybe want to say hi to the people that I'm around or something or talk to people in line. Uh, maybe, maybe this is just for me or maybe there's other people listening too that are thinking that, but uh, I'll pretend that uh, <laughs> I'm trying to just talk about other people. That is there something that you think that uh, a way that's in uh, and in to try to opening yourself up to, to, to not be so insulated in yourself and, and to try to get out there and be a part of the community or do you think it's just you have to be out there a whole bunch and then you just kind of all your defenses just wear down because you're tired and hungry <laughs> and you need to live no no doubt i mean i i also was very shy and and not outgoing before this but um after that point i was not afraid to go to shows alone um obviously when, when you go to a show you have a common interest with everybody else going to that that show so it's already a, a good starting point and if you have uh, a common interest like it should hopefully put you in a comfortable position so you can talk to anybody at a show you'll you'll get good answers back because you, you have the same like-minded feeling so i definitely would encourage people to, to try to do something like that with things that you're interested in even if it's not music something that's uh that you're passionate about you find other people that are passionate about the same thing that's a very common topic that you can connect with and 
you'll be surprised how open you'll be after that. You start like like you say you're talking about your your podcast. You, you talk about stuff you you really love and you're passionate about. People will will open up. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of like the. I think I remember hearing. I might have it might have been somebody I was like talking to that said like the kind of difference when they were first uh, when everything first started with like Pearl Jam and Nirvana is that. Nirvana was kind of sarcastic, but Pearl Jam was sincere. You know, you have you have Pearl Jam, a song like Black, and kind of like Eddie just putting his heart and soul and saying, hey, you know, this is who I am. This is the stuff I've been through. This is what I'm feeling. And, you know, Nirvana is just kind of like, oh, we're too cool for school. Right. You know, we're, you know, fame, whatever, because, you know, we're trying to be cool and against the system. And Pearl Jam's like, oh, you know, fame, because it's uh, it's like too much for us. And a lot of people uh, gravitated gravitated towards Pearl Jam instead of Nirvana because of that. Oh, hey, you know, you're 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 feeling like I did, and so kind of being sincere and true with yourself to other people is how you can kind of get that sort of connection mm -hmm. in a little bit better way than saying it's like, oh yeah, those guys suck, huh? Oh, and it's like, oh yeah, those guys suck. Yeah, it's like if you're being negative in the first place, that's maybe not a good place to. To start with uh, a friendship or at least trying to get to know people, maybe. I don't know. Right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but like you're saying, I, like, I, I find a lot of Pearl Jam fans very positive. So it's usually a great, an easy, not an easy way, but it's it's when you start going with people, um, talking to people that talk about Pearl Jam, you're, you're going to find a way to feel comfortable and, and really share what you feel and and no one's going to tell you that that you're wrong or whatever, but because you, you kind of have the same thoughts to begin with. Yeah. If he's just like, oh, I like this. It's like, oh, Binar was like one of my favorite albums. It's like, Binar, what? Huh? It's like, <laughs> how can you do that? And at least you have a like a an in with a conversation. It's like, oh, no, because of this song and this song. Yeah. And you kind of have more. You have a you can have a friendly debate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some people said, oh, no, you're wrong. It's always 10. Blah. It's like, oh, okay, I'm fine. I know what kind of person about Pearl Jam you like, <laughs> or I think a lot of people are kind of like, oh, you know what? I like listening to Pearl Jam, so if you have, like, a different way to listen to something else I may kind of not listen to all the time, huh, yeah, let me hear about that. I want to hear about, you know, what somebody has to say about this song that I'm not too interested in, like maybe Evacuation, or <laughs> maybe trying to bring it back to <laughs> what this episode's about, but uh, who knows? But definitely, if you, I mean, it's also a good way to, to learn new music, if you, you connect with Pearl Jam fans, they they have similar types of music. They can introduce you to new bands and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I mean, m music is very powerful, and if you have a a connection with something like that, then it's it's good to share it and and talk about it. Uh, did you have any tickets for the European shows that were supposed to be? I did. <laughs> um, oh. They were. I live in currently. I live in Budapest, Hungary, and they're coming back to Hungary for the first time since 1996. Oh yeah, that's right. So we had tickets for that. We were planning a big party and everything for the city because everyone's very excited. Mm -hmm. So it got po postponed to next year, which we'll see <laughs> if will happen or not. But probably the year after. But I think they're definitely coming back regardless at some point. So everyone's very happy yeah. about that. Um, and then there's a show in uh, Vienna. We're going to Vienna. is about two hours away from where we are. So that's <laughs> the next closest show for us. So I've, I've slowed down a lot since 15 years ago. So we picked the shows that are easy for me to get to. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, like, I like sleeping in beds. 
<laughs> it's kind of uh, something that you become used to as you get older. Yeah, it's funny. I was going, I think it was the Berlin show about maybe six or seven years ago that I went to, and we went to hostels and stuff, and <laughs> we are like, this is the last time we're staying at a hostel. Yeah. <laughs> That's not happening yet. It's a young man's game. It, exactly. When you, when you have your, your whole life ahead of you, and you don't uh, think about things like... Uh, heartburn or <laughs> i don't know well there's something about getting a good night's sleep now that, that really oh, yeah. <laughs> really makes a difference oh i know like uh, i'll if, if i don't get enough sleep sometimes i'll like i'll wake up and i'll feel like i'm hung over it's like what no i didn't even drink it's just not exactly. getting enough sleep or not drinking <laughs> enough water it's like oh my god <laughs> getting old sucks <laughs> So we'll still have a good time, but like we have responsibilities now and to take care of yeah, ourselves yeah. and take care of our Make body. sure you always have your earplugs exactly, and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely our hearing is kind of losing it a bit now too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so your book has just come out in, uh, in hardcover, right? Yeah. So the book originally was released on paperback 10 years ago. So I've always wanted to put out a hard copy. People have been asking about it, so we thought it'd be a good idea to do a, a special anniversary edition for the 10th, 10th year, um, which was this past November. So we put out a hardcover with, with a new cover design, maybe a few more format designs, nothing drastic difference, but it's a, a nice new format for people to get. Uh, you can get it at pretty much all online uh, resources like Amazon, uh, but you can go to thisallencompassingtrip.com. All the information's on there. It's also on Kindle. Yeah, so it'll be easy to take with you when you go to other Pro Jam shows. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, definitely. If you're interested, you can read it first on, on your Kindle. You can look at uh, perhaps purchasing one up to you. It's 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 a good story, and, and people have, have given me good reviews about it. Cool. Right on. Um, yeah, so we're we're going to wrap it up now. Uh, this is this is PJ 30 year. Uh, so I've been wrapping up these shows by asking people uh just like ed was asked at the end of single video theory uh so i'm, I'm gonna ask you jason what does pearl jam mean to you well pearl jam means family to me i mean i've met my my wife through pearl jam i met a lot of my friends that are still in my life through pearl jam um i mean it's a cliche but it's kind of a soundtrack to my life i grew up with the music in the 90s when i was a teenager and it's still here with me today and I've been introducing it to my son, so it's it doesn't go away. Pearl Jam is part of my life, and yes, the one word "family" would be the best representation for me for, for Pearl Jam. Is there is there a certain song that your your uh, your son likes? Um, Water. He, oh, <laughs> he likes the new Gigaton album because we've been playing it on loop for the last six uh, okay. months or so. <laughs> so he likes all the songs on there. <laughs> he likes to, he likes to dance to it. It's it's more of an uh, an upbeat dance album, so he, he likes it. <laughs> And uh, how did you how did you meet your wife then through Pearl Jam? Uh, well, it, we initially met uh, at the end of the Canadian tour, mm -hmm. and we met throughout the U.S. tour. And I mean, we kept in touch; wasn't really nothing at the time. And then we were reintroduced through friends uh, when we were living in London. Okay, cool. So you just kind of both find your yourselves living out there, or you yeah. kind of? So I mean, I I was living there and and actually leaving London at the time, and she was moving there. Uh, we reconnected, and I was helping her like transition her her uh, move to London, and we kind of uh, reconnected there. And, and and it's since then I've been <laughs> seeing seeing her and trying to meet up in places. It's funny. One of our first dates was kind of halfway in Philly at a Pro Jam show, so that was how we re, re uh, remet and did the long distance thing. But then I eventually moved back to London to make it work. Cool, right on, man. Well, uh, thank thanks a lot for for talking with me and. I always like talking to 
to different new people about uh, about Pearl Jam. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Brendan. Oh, yeah, no problem. Better Band Podcast is produced by ListenUpReno.com and Brandon Palomo and published using Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 license. Please visit creativecommons.org or email listenupreno at gmail.com for more details. All music played is owned by their respective publishers and copyright holders and is reproduced for review purposes only under fair use. You can subscribe to the Better Band Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or from betterbandpod.com using your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Better Band Pod. I'm on Twitter at Brandon P, B-R-A-N-D-E-N-P. If you'd like the job I'm doing here, you can go to ko-fi.com slash Brandon P and leave me a $3 tip. Or give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and don't forget to tell your friends. If you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, send an email to betterbandpod at gmail.com or send any insights and stories you'd like to share and I'll read them on the season finale episode. Again, I'd like to thank my guest Jason and as always, this is Brandon saying... Oh, your teeth hurt, huh? Your teeth hurt? Well, that's too freaking bad, you hear me? I'll tell you where you can put your freaking sody too.